Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we can promise is a conversation that will be hopefully less than interesting so that you can just sit back, relax, chill, if you will, and maybe even drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. And joining me in the studio is Aline. I'm going to say it wrong, Dagian. Did I get yeah, it right? Perfect. Fantastic. I want to make sure because I have a name that some people say incorrectly. Yeah. It doesn't drive me crazy, but it's always nice when someone gets it right. Yeah, totally. Aline, now I feel like I'm saying your first name wrong. No, you're, that was that was that was actually the most perfect. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You like to journal. I love to journal. Tell me how you got into journaling. Um, to be honest, it started with uh, 10 years ago when I took my very first trip. Someone bought me a journal and was like, you should write down all your experiences. So I was like, okay. So every single night I would come home and I would write down what happened in the day. Like no matter how mundane, like I saw this woman walking her cute dog. I sat in a coffee shop mm-hmm. and this and then it just kind of became like a little outlet. Wow. And what I found was the most interesting mm-hmm. is that two months or whatever, I would pick up my journal and I would read back okay. and see like what I wrote. And I, it would almost be nice because you're like, oh, my God, I could, can't believe I was like feeling like that or sure. that's what I saw or that's what I was doing at that time. Right. So it was cool. Wow. And so you journal in the evening. I Yeah, mostly. Or... I guess if, like, during the day, if I have time and I'm in a coffee shop, I'll just kind of journal about what's been going on in life and just write it down so, so there's, like, evidence. Do you carry your journal with you everywhere I, you go? If I have a day out, I yeah, I carry my journal with me. So you have your journal with you right now? Yes, I do. Oh. Yeah. I might have to take a photo and post it on our Instagram account. Yeah, Just totally. of the journal itself, not of the writing. Yeah. I can. I even have um, – sometimes if I don't have my journal, I'll just pick up a napkin from wherever I am and I'll, like, write – I always have a pen with me, mm-hmm. so I'll just write down little, like little things, and then I'll just shove it into my journal, so oh. I know to write about those things later. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. So, how important is the journal book itself? I'm very particular okay. about my journal books. All right, now we need to talk. Tell me about that. It's just, it can't just be a book. Like it has okay. to have. My one journal had like 
I think it had Paris on the front, mm-hmm. or like a, or a picture of like the Eiffel Tower or something, because I was in Paris. Okay. I filled that one out, and then my second one had a when I when I finished that journal, I was I again I was somewhere, and I uh, bought a journal from this like little book bookstore. Sure. But it wasn't very big, so I finished that one, and then my now my new one has mm, it has a picture of a bicycle on it, and okay. it says life is not. About the de- it's not about the destination, but how you get there. Or life is about the journey, not oh, the destination. Right. So, just little. It has to. It has to be interesting. So he, So the cover has to be something that resonates. Yeah, totally. With you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Absolutely. about the paper itself? Um, it has to be lined. Cannot okay. just have a blank journal. All right. It has to be lined. Um, Do you like the paper to have tooth? What's tooth? Tooth means the. Um, the weight of the paper. So if it's a bit of a thicker paper, when you press... I like it a little bit thicker. Okay. Yeah. So you, you can tell a paper has nice tooth to it because when you press with your pen, it has a bit of give mm-hmm. or resistance. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I can't just... It can't just be measly, like, yeah. light paper. Mm-hmm. It has to be heavy. Solid. And, yeah. yeah. So you lived in Paris. You mentioned Paris. Mm-hmm. There is a brand of paper that is a French paper called Clairefontaine. Oh, and it is so wonderful. It has really? the perfect tooth. The lines are like a dark purple, so they don't have the harshness of the black lines. Yeah. It's not easy to find everywhere unless you're in Paris. But when I find it, I'm so happy to have that as a journal. I have to find that. Mm-hmm. I'll anyway. show you. I have one out right outside the studio. I'll really? Show you. Yeah. I'll I let you see to. it. Yeah. I'll I let you even it. write on it so you can feel how. Oh, my God. Does it matter the color of pen or pencil that you use? So for a while, I actually had a specific journal pen as well. Wow. Yeah. I would only write in my journal with it. I'm very, I'm like a, not a traditions kind of person. I'm a very ritual type of person. Oh, I love it. So like I take out my journal, Mm. I take out my journal pen, and then I just found after a while, if I didn't have my journal pen and something happened, I was like, I, I have to write down. Wow. I have to write this down, so I'll write it down. Um, now it just has to be a like a black, black pen. So the ink needs to be black. Mm-hmm. That's your preferred color mm-hmm. for the pen. I try. It's so funny because I've tried to write in like a purple. I have this purple pen for some reason, but purple ink. And I've tried to write in purple ink. I've tried to write in red ink. And then when I read it back, I'm like, Ugh, I don't it like just this. Doesn't it just work doesn't. For you. Yeah, like the black is just so neutral to me. So. Do you write cursive or do you write in your journal? Um, I think I write. Letters? I don't know how you. Well, I, I write regular, like print. Some, I guess it's like a mix of between cursive and print. Depending on your mood. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. If I'm, if I'm somewhere and I'm like, I need to get this down and I'm writing really fast, then it'll be cursive. Um, but yeah, I could journal for hours. Do you ever code? your language in the journal so that if anyone was to read it, a certain portion would not be read? I use short forms, but it's not like I, I never do it with the intention. I've never done it okay. with the intention of that. I think if someone reads my journal, it'll, I, I mean, it would say a lot about who I am right. as a person. Um, But I don't think that, I think that they'd be able to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty open. I only say that because so some of the corporate work I've done in the past has mm-hmm. required me to rewrite notes. And I'm a really good 
note maker based on material. Okay. Even though in university that wasn't my strength at all, like reading yeah. a text and, and making notes, not yeah. at all. But for the work that I do in the corporate world, I've become very astute at that. And I was doing a gig in Tokyo. And I remember I spent a lot of time. It was quite a big brief. And I really spent a lot of time making it as clear and concise and right. easy to follow as possible. And I got there. And one of the people that I was to work with, mm -hmm. I never met before, and he was high up in the organization, said to me, oh, I'll have my secretary photocopy your notes and I'll use them. And I was like, oh my gosh. I spent hours and hours making it so that I could do the brief easily. So from that day on, I make my notes part in English, part in Italian. Really? Yeah, so it's like, oh, you won't understand my notes. If you need my notes... You have to ask me. You're not going to get them. Yeah. You can photocopy them all you want, but unless you're fluent in Italian and English... That's brilliant. Yeah. I know it sounds a little bit like I'm being petty, but it was like, no, I spent a lot of time in... Yeah. You know, you that's do, your work. Yeah, do your work, and then we'll talk. Yeah. So that's one of the things I do. Oh no, I've of... never done that. I used to do that. I used to work at this um, really dingy bar throughout university, and so we didn't have like any way to to basically like distinguish our tables mm. or what they were. So in Armenian, I would write a distinguishing factor about like a person at the table mm -hmm. and that's what I would name the table. So when the bill was printed and if by chance the name came up that like you are whatever Lady table. Lady with the glasses. Right. It would be in Armenian so they wouldn't be able to Amazing. tell. Yeah. 100%. It's so great. So you speak Armenian. I do. That's amazing. What's your favorite word in Armenian? Um, hokis. Ooh. What does that mean? It's like it's your typical term of it, like, my dear, my love. Oh. It actually means, hoki is my, like, soul. It means soul. So it's very, um, it's like what, I guess my parents would always like, they, that's your, it's my hokis, like your, hey, yeah. hokis. Oh, yeah, it's just wonderful. like, instead of saying, hi, honey, or hi, dear, mm -hmm. they say hokis. Wow. Yeah. So it's great. That's awesome. Have you ever used or seen... The journal called the Five Minute Journal. Uh, yes, I have actually. So, but I've never like looked mm -hmm. really into it. I have a question a day journal. Pardon me. I have a question a day journal. Oh, I thought so you were asking me a question. I thought you said I have a question <laughs> for you about day journals, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't that? know if I can answer this question. But tell me about day journals. So it's a it asks you three hundred and sixty five questions. Oh wow! Like one for every day of the year, and it asks you the same question. On that day for five years straight. My goodness. So you can see, like, what you wrote on, I don't know, January 1st sure. of 20. I think I got it 2017. I got just got it last year. Wow. So you can see, like, I got it July of 2017. So you could see July 2017 and then, let's say, July 2022. Right. Which is what I'm going to have it till. And just to see, like, how your answers have changed. And it asks you, like, it could ask you really bogus questions, like, were you wearing socks today? And you say, oh. no. And then other days are like, what's your biggest regret? Or uh, what's your Christmas tradition? Like okay. on Christmas Day, it might ask sure. you. It's Depending really cool. on the day. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Who got that for you? Uh, one of my friends who we both like kind of heard like big news on the same day. And then she bought this for oh. me. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Do you enjoy wearing socks? 
I mean, yes and no. Mm. When it's cold, I like the woolly socks. But like every day. Not your thing. I'd rather like slippers, like really fuzzy slippers. What about you? I I like a nice tooth to my sock. I like a sock that has a lot of <laughs> That's sort the of... That's a key word on this <laughs> podcast. I might have to go to the dentist. And <laughs> yeah. um, no, I like a, uh, a sock that has a lot of give and resistance and, mm. and can take the, take the stomping that I do in a day. Do you wear socks in the summertime? Always? Oh, no. I like to, I like to wear a slipper. Yeah. Or not a slipper, like a... Like a sockless shoe. A sockless shoe. Yeah. No, with shoes, I wear socks. Always? Always. Okay. Pretty much. But if I'm around the home, yeah. I'll either be barefoot or I'll wear... Your slippers. Birkenstock yeah, yeah. Uh, slippers. Do you get grossed out when you're not wearing socks? No. No. So feet don't bother me. I know they bother some people. Yeah. It's one thing that doesn't really bother me. So, no, and I don't get grossed out. I feel very comfortable. Although... My chiropodist said I can't go barefoot around the house. It's not good for my flat feet. Really? So now I wear Birkenstocks. But what does that do to your flat feet? Like, what does the floor... She just says the shape of my flat feet require me to have support. And if I don't have support, it'll progress in a way that's not going to be beneficial to me. That's Interesting. Why, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Very I never... Yeah. I'm glad I went to a chiropodist, which is... is that, what is that? It's slightly different than a podiatrist. Okay. But I think if now here's where I'm going to say something that could be controversial. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners will tell us. Every chiropodist is a podiatrist, but not every podiatrist is a chiropodist. Okay. A so, chiropodist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go on. And it's got a funky spelling to okay, it. Okay. Cool. But my chiropodist is amazing. Yeah. She took a laser image of my foot and she said, we can fix your flat feet a bit, not to worry, and all these things. I didn't know that flat feet were such a like a, a problem to I, have. I think they have their own set of challenges, mm-hmm. much as, uh, what is it called when you have a high arch? Um, I don't know. Club feet. Oh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or people with a high arch have their own set of challenges. So it really depends on the type of foot you have. I have half a flat foot. Like the outsides of my mm-hmm. feet are flat, and then the insides there's an arch. Oh, I, I just thought that was like a normal. I think that makes you a great ballet. Really? Um, I thought you would have to have an arch on both sides. No, I think flatter feet for ballet are esteemed. Did you ever do ballet? I did, but I was not very good. No. That's probably what. Maybe it was your feet. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't actually have a great point. But do you need a point? Like, I guess towards the, okay. Clearly I just, I, I feel know. like my foot, like, doesn't fully arch because mm-hmm. of that flat part. Maybe you should see a chiropodist. Maybe I should. I have a great chiropodist for you. <laughs> now, you and I share another delightful passion besides writing. Yep. Which is a good coffee. Oh, my gosh. I have to say I'm having a coffee right now that Marco made me, and it's incredible. I had to make you a good one because I was worried that you, you had said no at first. And I was like, oh, what if she doesn't want it? And she's just saying yes because I yeah. made the yeah, offer, yeah, right? Yeah. But I had sent you to a place. One time I'm like, Oh my gosh. Aline, you have to go here. It's so. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan, like cappuccinos, the foam. Mm-hmm. It's like my dessert after drinking the coffee. Mm-hmm. And, and so many people fail at cappuccinos because they make it, you know, no foam, really. Yeah. If you don't have the foam, it's really a latte, what Italians mm-hmm. would consider a latte, right? Absolutely. 
And the foam part is actually, like you said, it's a bit of a dessert because you could use a spoon. If there's quite a bit of foam at the end, you could put some people who put sugar in it. The sugar will remain in the bottom, and then you have foam, and together you have a this delicious foam dessert. Yeah. So how did you learn to make a okay, so that's very a cool, delicious coffee? It's a great question. So the interesting thing is my folks being Italian, we would always have espresso-based coffee mm-hmm. since I was a little child, and I was always offered that coffee. So yeah. it wasn't unusual for me to have a great deal of milk with just a spot of espresso. So yeah. I felt like I was having the morning coffee ritual with my folks my as a child, the right? same thing, yeah. They wouldn't give me copious amounts of oh. coffee. They just put a little splash to give it a bit of color. color. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would have my cookies, yeah. and I would dip them in, and I was happy as yeah. I could be. So... Do you remember how old you were with your first coffee? I'm sure I was two or three. Really? Yeah, I'm sure I was very young. Like (laughs) like I said, it was mainly milk with just a spot of coffee in it. Like, just so it looks like I'm sharing it. Yeah. So all my life, I've had coffee's been this ritual, like you said, around my home with my family. And then growing up, you know, we used the Bialetti mocha to make our coffee, which is a stovetop um, coffee pot that you put on the stove. So growing up, I was so used to doing that, that Mm. you see your folks do it, you just know how to do it. And it's the distinguishing factor of a good cup of coffee versus a bad cup of coffee. Yeah. When you have a bad cup of coffee, you're like, oh, this isn't how coffee should taste. So... The more I would notice that, the more I'd be like, that's not how you do it. Mm-hmm. And then I worked in a cafe. So frothing milk and making espresso-based coffees came very natural. And I took yeah. a lot of pride in it because I knew what I was serving is what I'd want to receive. So I would try to make it as perfect as and possible. it's like an experience. It's not yeah. just the – I mean, some people have their coffee because it's like that jolt that they need mm-hmm. or whatever it is. But I find a lot of – like. Maybe like maybe it's like a cultural thing sure. for you as well as for me mm. that it's like it, it's like an it's like an act of like bonding like mm. that's like uh, coffee has like meaning almost that you're like we are having a coffee together yeah. like I'm enjoying this drink especially with friends oh god mm. yeah I I hear so many people say like I don't actually enjoy the taste but like I need it mm-hmm. I'm like ugh. I love it. Yeah. Like a good cup when you're si- – oh, it's just the whole the whole act of drinking the coffee. Mm-hmm. What coffee do you make for yourself at home? Is it a drip coffee? French yeah, press? mine's just like a coffee pot that mm-hmm. I have at home. Uh, my parents make a lot of Turkish coffee. Oh, I love Turkish coffee. I've never gotten behind it. Really? I mean, I need to – I think I need to start I, – I think I tried it years ago and wasn't a fan mm-hmm. before I really enjoyed coffee. And so I think now – I think I, I – I think my taste have so when I have a Turkish or Greek coffee, it's partly about the coffee, yeah. but it's partly about the ceremony with the coffee. Because I find with that type of coffee, I'm just going to call it a Turkish coffee mm-hmm. from here on, the experience is patience. Yeah, so, so much patience. It's almost like, for those of you who might not be familiar with the Turkish coffee, you have to allow the settling of the coffee grounds, which are in the brewed coffee to settle before you drink right so for me it's like the patience of waiting for it to be perfect before you take the sip yeah is part of the wonderful experience totally 
And there's a richness to that coffee that you don't get in other coffees. No, because it's like a bold. It's bold. It's beautiful. It's warm. Yeah. And strong. Yeah. And comforting for me. So the next time you have a Turkish coffee, enjoy the experience or the ritual of letting it settle and the patience of knowing what you're about to drink has to reach its pinnacle or its peak, peak, its sweet spot. Now, one tip for you when you do your brewed coffee at Mm -hmm. home. Have you ever layered your coffee? No. Okay. This is what you're going to do. You're going to get a dark roast and a light roast or a dark roast and a medium roast. And what you're going to do is when you put your coffee in the uh, paper, what do you call that? Yeah, the the, um, Filter. filter. Half dark roast, half light roast. Oh, my gosh. So when you look at the flavor profile of light, medium, and dark, right? Yeah. There are notes in that coffee. Yeah. In in those ranges, right? When you have a dark and a light, you're going to get different notes. All the way through. And it's going to be more robust or more... You're going to really feel flavor profiles that you don't necessarily get mm-hmm. if you stick to one type of roast. A friend I've told me that. i thought of that. Yeah. Another great trick to do. Okay. Take a little bit of cinnamon, put it in your grounds, and brew with the cinnamon. With the cinnamon in the filter? In in the grounds in the filter. Yeah. But go less is more because cinnamon is so tricky. Very, yeah. So start with just a tiny bit because oh when you gosh. use too much, it tastes sour or tastes wrong. Yeah. Oh, I've never thought of that. I put a bit of cinnamon in the grounds that you had there. That that's ama- That's mm. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's a beautiful breakfast blend if you do that. Okay, I'm gonna try that at home. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of cinnamon. I was gonna ask, have you ever had um, your, like, have you ever had a Turkish coffee reading before? No, I would love to do that. Yeah, you've heard of it. Oh yes. Okay, so for I guess for people who are listening, you usually whenever you drink the Turkish coffee. Mm-hmm. You turn the cup over once you're done, mm-hmm. and you just kind of let it all, like, drain out. So the grounds that become, like, almost a mud at the yes. bottom of your, of your Turkish yeah. coffee. Yeah. So when you turn it over, there's, like, the the ground, like, the coffee has kind of made this, like, l- weird image in the cup. And it's, like, a very traditional thing, um, usually with the older generations, that can read the coffee mug and it like predicts your future or maybe the situation that you're in right now and what's going to happen. Sure. Yeah. And what was it like when you had a coffee reading? I know I I went the only people that could do it in my family were uh my was my grandmother and I wasn't old enough to drink Turkish coffee at okay. the time. So I would always be there when she was drinking other people's coffee and I think my cousin was maybe able to do it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but someone had predicted that this she was going to get that that a family member was going to get pregnant or there was going to be a new life or whatever. And at the time, we were like, "Okay, sure, no problem." And right. sure enough, two months later, or a month, she announced her pregnancy. Wow! And she had said that at the reading, she goes, "I knew I was pregnant, but I hadn't told anyone yet right. because it was like that." month mark or something so she's like i was really freaked out by this coffee reading (laughs) so do you remember your grandmother doing the readings oh yeah was there something about your grandmother when she did the reading that 
was very particular or resonates or you remember in your mind? Like, did she have a different way of speaking or was she in her glory? She was just, she was definitely in her glory. Mm-hmm. She was this really short woman that kind of waddled. Like, mm-hmm. she walked, like, she was a little bit heavier set, so she would waddle when she'd walk towards you. And so she just, and because she was so small, mm-hmm. we, like, reached her height by the time we were probably, like, 11 or 12 or Amazing. something. So um, she loved having us, like, sit around her while she was doing this. Like, for my parents, she was definitely, she loved it. She ate it all up. And her name? Her name was Azad. Azad. So I'm going to dedicate this episode to her memory. Azad. Yeah, because it's a coffee and journaling and remembering episode. So just for her. Azad is up there. She is just probably doing kicks. Like, she's loving it. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have those me- to actually put to words the memories you would have yeah. of your family member. So just recently, I have a projector that was my grandmother's that projects Super 8 films. Okay. So before camcorders and videotapes and uh, digital videos, you would tape on a Super 8 camera. Okay. And it'd be like a reel. So you tape yeah, your yeah, yeah. So my grandmother had that. I inherited her projector and screen. Wow, that's cool. But what do you do with a projector and screen if you don't, you got to set it up to watch a Super oh, 8. Yeah. So it's it, it's a bit cumbersome. So I was like, you know, I'm going to think about selling this or get, get rid, getting rid of it. I open it up and I find four plastic ornaments <laughs> from my grandmother's tree <laughs> that are red icicles. And they were... Not precious at all. They were inexpensive. She had right. a ton of them on her tree. And I guess the last time we watched the projector was around Christmas. Right. Some of the ornaments fell in, or the kids at the time were taking them off the tree. That's amazing. And I have no other ornaments from her. But I found these four, to me now, precious, inexpensive plastic <laughs> ornaments. So I was so over One was even broken in half, but I was able to glue it together. So oh, I had What a f- beautiful sign. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, how cool is this? I never, I would never have thought to ask my grandmother for ornaments when I was, you know, no. in my teens or 20s. But now I'm so grateful to have oh my gosh, this plastic yeah. ornament. Yeah. I will show you. Oh, really? So that's two things I have to show you, the Claire Fontaine and the tree ornaments. Oh, right. I completely blanked out on the Claire Fontaine paper. How Once I, I show it to you, you're going to be like, I want Never to write on anything else. Like chapters, the journal part of chapters is and like... chapters is our book, a local bookstore. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And it is like, I could spend hours there. Mm-hmm. I could honestly just spend hours there. Even I, my agendas for the year. I was going to ask you, do you use a agenda that you write in or do you use your phone? Oh, God, yeah. I write my everything. My agenda is probably like my, my lifeline. It's my livelihood. Because I, I mean, I work three jobs, so I write down like my hours from jobs I write down this and that so when I'm doing my taxes at the end of the year that agenda I sort through all of my receipts and it's like oh thank god I wrote this down I'm going to tell you about an agenda as well but we'll have to do it after the episode because we're at our end okay Aline I want to thank you because you've been a supporter of our podcast for ye- for at least a year now you've yeah. been a uh, uh, a cheerleader for us so thank you I'm so happy to have been here such a pleasure to have you in our studios we want to thank our guests as well as always our podcast is produced by Drumcast Productions this episode was recorded in our home studio in Toronto Canada until the next time 
sleep well.